Uh, turn with me, if you would, please, to Leviticus chapter 4. If you're using the, uh, the Pew Bible, that'll be on page 80. Leviticus chapter 4. So when I was in high school, I had um, a class in um, computing, right? Writing computer programs. And uh, Mrs. Dysars was our, our computer programming uh, instructor. And what she would do is on Monday, she would give us this problem. What if you need to count a certain thing, and then if the count reaches a certain number, then you have it do one thing, but if it never reaches the proper number, then it does another thing. And so we're starting out at what I'm calling Monday learning. We're, we're doing this longhand, right? So she has us writing a program, and it's, it's longhand. You're writing it out, this, that, and the other. And then Wednesday comes along, and um, she teaches you the if-then-else statement, right? So the idea is that there's a big question, a big problem that you're trying to solve. Monday learning was longhand. And then by Wednesday, she would show you, hey, by the way, there's a command we can use in here. And I noticed that, and I, I brought it to her attention, and she just smiled and said, yes, um, keep doing this. Um, but it was a little bit frustrating at times on the Monday learning. I, I tried not to just hold my breath until Wednesday, you know, because you probably can float a little bit, still get a good grade. But, but uh, I, one time I asked her, I said, why are you doing this? Why not just go to Wednesday, the Wednesday learning, and um, save us all a bunch of heartache and time? And, and she said, well, there's, there's some real value in this Monday learning. There's some real value in finding out the problems behind it. Um, so that if you have to troubleshoot, you understand maybe part of what is the problem. So we're going to go to Leviticus 4 today, the sin offering. And the sin offering goes all the way through uh, chapter 4, which is 35, and then it goes into chapter 5 as well. Um, that would be a long time reading, and it would be a delight. We're, we're going to do instead is just take a, a patch of that to read. But... Um, and there's just no way we can talk about all of sin, all of uh, what, what needs to be said here. But um, we're going we're gonna to take a run at some of the things. We're going to do some Monday learning uh, in Leviticus chapter 4 of the sin offering. Because as you well know, it's very easy, especially talking about the sin offering, to just flip over to you know, the New Testament and start talking about Jesus. So if you would, uh, we're going to let Leviticus breathe here. We're going to hear from Moses today. And um, let's, uh, you know, find out what God was teaching us here through the sin offering. Find out what Moses was uh, partnering with, with God Almighty to teach the people about the living God and approaching him. So, um, if you would, I'm going to start here in, in verse 27. Uh, before this, it's going to, these little blocks are going to be about the, the high priest and if the whole assembly and if the leaders of the people. And now we're going to get here in verse 27 to like regular folks like you and I. And this is what it says, starting in verse 27. If any member of the community sins unintentionally and does what is forbidden in any of the Lord's commands, he is guilty. Now, uh, of course, that's pretty important, the unintentional part, because there is a passage in Scripture in the, you know, in, in the law that talks about what some people call high-handed sin. Oh, I'm not going to worry about that. I'm going to go ahead and do it uh, because I know God will forgive me. Uh, it's pretty serious. We're not talking about that right now. We're talking about unintentional sin, the sin that we generally do most days. Now, when this person is made aware of the sin that was committed, uh, this person must bring as an offering for the sin committed a female goat without defect. 
the, the penitent is to lay hands on the head of the sin offering and slaughter it in the place of the burnt offering. Then the priest is to take some of the blood with his finger and put it on the horns of the altar of the burnt offering and pour out the rest of the blood in the base of the altar. Now, let me pause here again. Uh, you know, there are different modes of baptism. This is a complete rabbit trail, I understand. Uh, and some people talk about total immersion, things of that nature. Here is one reason why some communions use the sprinkling of water or a fusion where you pour water over the head of a child right here because cleansing was, it's a proper form of cleansing uh, in God's economy. So uh, that was free. Um, price of admission, all that. So verse 31. Um, after that, the, the blood is poured out and so on. Uh, that the high priest shall then remove all the fat, just as the fat is removed from the fellowship offering, and the priest shall burn it on the altar as an aroma pleasing to the Lord. In this way, the priest will make atonement for the penitent, and there will be forgiveness. Okay, please pray with me now. God, uh, we thank you that you speak to us. What an amazing privilege this is to be created by you, loved by you, and even receive your communication. We pray that uh, these things would touch our heart, that we would understand and know you better through these and, and be able to relate one to another in a um, better way as well. Thank you for your grace today, and, and please help me uh, as I share your word. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. So, I think uh, Nate has continued to give us a, um, a good overview, a good picture, and hopefully you even see today. You know, a lot of the temple worship was butchery and cooking, right? Aroma pleasing to the Lord. It, it, it's interesting in many ways, but, but there was something to be learned, um, something to be learned for God's people through these many things. Uh, no doubt you might remember the name of Leviticus in uh, Hebrew is Vikra, and if you remember the very first, well, I guess it was the second um, sermon, uh, when uh, in verse 1, chapter 1, that was the first word, Vikra, which means called, right? Called, holiness, involved that. And, and later in the book, we find out that we are to be holy because God is holy, we are, because God has called us. So what has he called us from? Now, us. I'm going to include us with these people for right now, okay? Let's take a look at what this meant. So in order to do that, we're going to look at the prevailing myth, or one of the most important myths in that time about the creation. And we'll look at that on purpose right now. So if you wouldn't mind putting that up, Matthew. One of the most important myths at that time was the Eridu myth. So if you were to go to the, uh, the mall in downtown Damascus in uh, 4000 BC and say, um, you know, how do you believe this all came about? They would probably talk to you with the Iridu myth. Everybody knew this. See, the Anunnaki, Anun, Anunnaki are the, they're the high gods, all right? And there's a lot of work to get done to feed the high gods and take care of them. So they created the lesser gods, the Igigi, all right? We're going somewhere with this. Yes. Because again, understand, this is, this is the prevailing myth of the time, and everybody knows this. So you've got the Anunnaki and the Igigi. Well, the, the Igigi got tired of doing all the menial labor, so they went on strike. And so they had a, a, a conference and they said, why don't we create yet another being? And that other being 
will take care of all the menial stuff. Now, the Anunnaki and the Igigi were capricious, vengeful, spiteful, petulant uh, gods. And so what they did was they created humankinds to be, as it says here, servile chattel created to toil. That was our purpose, right? The reason we were put on this earth by the Anunnaki was to feed the gods, take care of gods, take care of all this stuff. And so the way they created us, they slew one of their own and they mixed these bodily fluids with dust and that's where we came. And the relationship basically to us is that we are despised. We are servile chattel created to toil. Uh, I'm not talking about your boss. I'm talking about in this uh, myth, uh, you know, that's, that's the way we're looked at. And so the sacrifices then, Leviticus 4, Leviticus 2, these things were initiate goodwill. You're going to come as a penitent, shaking, hoping that your sacrifice is acceptable to, you know, offer this food to the gods. And, you know, your, your wife and two of your children are ill, and you're, you're, you're pleading with the gods to take away this illness. And so you, you, you've taken your best, and you brought it, and you're hoping, hoping, wishing that this is going to be accepted. Okay? So that's the iridu myth. All right, so let's compare that because, you know, as um, uh, Nate pointed out, we're in the same conversation as when Moses is sharing Genesis 1, chapter 1 with the people, all right? There are, are, are days where they're going to start at Genesis 1 and they're going to read the whole law. So this is the, so to bring in Genesis 1 right now is not spurious. This is what, what Moses is saying. Okay, we know, okay, we knew the Eridu myth, but let me tell you how it really works. We're talking about Yahweh. Now, you know, we're guardedly use that name. It's, it's a name that's not supposed to be spoken, etc. But he's talking about this God who is not petulant. But we're talking about Yahweh who is creative and generous and loving. He gave us, okay, he gave us broccoli, but, but he gave us, you know, roses. And he gave us uh, chocolate and he gave us all this stuff creative and loving and created in, in, so we wouldn't be lonely. He created relationships. We're talking about a completely different set of, of to whom we must, uh, you know, account. And the human purpose, listen to this. We were created in God's image, right? To love and enjoy God forever. Now, we do at times have to be working hard and toiling, but, but this is the point of why we were created. In God's image, he created them, male and female, to love and enjoy. That's quite different, isn't it? He formed us from dust and breathed life into it, so as far as I'm concerned, that's kind of a wash. It's, they're both kind of weird. Um, and then <laughs> relationships. God does not despise us. God delights in us. Can you hear how revolutionary this must have been to the people? To believe that we were not just, you know, spawned off of this weirdness and just to toil and serve, but, but God loves you. He loves you so much. And so our sacrifices are not toil to feed the gods. Our sacrifices are response to God's grace. God takes the initiative to us. Always had, always will. That's his grace. And so our sacrifices now are response to that in order that we might have forgiveness and, you know, has been shared in, in other weeks uh, even, right, fellowship. God just wants to be with you. And some of the sacrifices are just, hey, 
haven't seen you in a while, what's up? You know, come together with your friends, have chili, and uh, throw cornhole. So, what a difference. Even the, the character of the sacrifices themselves, right, which is kind of what we're, we're going to today. The character of God, how that's expressed in the brand new, what Moses is sharing. And now these, these sacrifices hopefully will have a quite different complexion for you. And I'm hoping as I share this too, that we compare it to some of the mythos we live among. Those who are far too bright to be Christians believe in this other one that takes far more faith. That is, we came from nothing. And uh, it's all a mis you know, this weird uh, lightning hit some goo and now we have humans. Um, the problem with that is that, you know, a bug is a beat is a boy. I mean, there's no, there's no integrity. There's no love. There's nothing in that. And there's no answer to life's questions. No, we are created in God's image. Created in God's image to love, to honor. And that's important as we're talking about the sin. The sin offering, and we're talking about sin in general. So, as so often happens... When I'm preparing, uh, I try to keep my ears attuned, and uh, I had a wonderful conversation this week that really helped me. So I was talking with a fella, uh, you know, hey, what do you think of the Super Bowl, blah, 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 and we're talking a little bit about, I don't know how we got on betting, okay? Uh, and he said, I don't bet. And you could hear in his voice, he's a man of the church, and you could hear in his voice, it's like, that's a sin, you don't do stuff like that, you don't bet. Oh, oh you don't bet? Well, I said, and he said, do you ever bet? I said, well, you know, on occasion, you know, if uh, San Francisco wins, I'm going to buy coffee or, you know, like that, just gentleman type bets. But yeah, I've done that, I've bet a little bit, but you don't bet. And even when you played golf, you never, you never bet. We'll call the guy uh, John. John, you, you never bet? You know? Oh, no, no, no. And, you know, we play skins, which if you're familiar with golf, is kind of a, a betting thing. In other words, I'm going to hit, get in the hole before you do. I'm going to get on the green in a certain number of strokes or less, blah, blah, blah. And I said, and you never bet when you played skins? I don't bet. I wager. <laughs> oh, you don't bet, you wager. Oh, I, okay, I see, you know. Oh, yeah, you completely convinced me. He didn't convince himself either, you know. In the but that is how we are, isn't it, about our sin a bit. We really find a way to diminish our sin. We don't bet we wager so let's say someone offends you and um, you know you're working on it you're, you you haven't gone to them but you go to someone else right you go to someone else and you start talking about it and um, if you know you're that 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 counselor you've got to understand your first question needs to be have you gone to this other person yet what do they often say well I just need to vent you see, talking about someone behind their back, talking about someone like this, bringing a third party in unnecessarily, that's called gossip. The Bible talks about gossip, which is why we don't do it, of course, but we, but we vent. I just vent. <laughs> so, uh, you know, that, that joke was, that was kind of slanderous, what you said about that person. I wasn't slandering. I was just joking. Yeah, they probably found that pretty funny, too. Um, or... You know, the other one that sometimes you hear, uh, you know, maybe in a movie you see it, I hope we don't do this kind, but, you know, two guys in a bar, and they're talking, whatever, and one guy says, why are you looking at that waitress, you're married and stuff, and he says, well, I know I'm, I'm full, but I'm just looking at the menu, right? It's not lust, we're just looking at the menu. So 
So we do this. We do this to our sin. Now, should anyone ever sin against us, all bets are off. That was terrible. They did all that wrong. But when we do it, we tend to dismiss those things, don't we? Now, the sin offering today will help us and help the people back then, because I'm convinced they're no different than we were, to recognize a few things about sin and uh, the way it worked was this. This is what it looked like. Sin has consequences. So you were to present the sin offering, right? That meant you, you went to a market or you, you were a, a shepherd or a goat herd or something, and you find a sacrifice without blemish. So you have to, first of all, separate this little thing from its mom, okay? So you grab this little innocent animal, separate it from its mom, and you take it before the priest and uh, when the time comes, they're going to get a very sharp knife. And it says to lay your hands on it. This is not a petting zoo. You're going to have to slay this animal. So you're going to have to grasp that thing. Get a good hand full of the, the nape of this thing's neck. And then you're going to slice its neck. And the priest is going to gather the blood. First thing that's going to happen is this little thing, this little playful animal is going to scream. You just sliced its neck. It's bleeding now. Its eyes are going wild, and it's bucking. Hold on, hold on, because you got to transfer your sin. I know, you were just looking at the menu. I know, you weren't betting, you were just wagering. But right now, you better convince this little animal, until it's guppy breathing, that what you did was not a big deal. And if this doesn't move your heart, there is something wrong. You're broken. I'm convinced it moved people's hearts to recognize when they did this thing how serious it was that, that they sinned. They shouldn't have done that. Hopefully, it brought them a sense of the need to share with someone and ask forgiveness. Sin has consequences. Let's now agree to be honest with ourselves. Let's now agree that we're not going to dismiss our sin. We're going to be honest. I was lusting. We're going to be honest. That was slander. I shouldn't have said that about someone. I shouldn't have gone behind their back. I should have gone to them. And of course, there is a case where if you go to someone and, and try to reconcile and they don't, then you come and you grab an elder, right? Uh, Jesus points this out. That's a different thing of saying, you know, uh, I'm sorry, I did try. You know, but, but they weren't going to listen to me. I really need you to come with me on this. That's different than going and, and just spreading, venting, and all that stuff. That's kind of the Monday learning of, of Leviticus 4. Mrs. Dysars would be very proud of us right now. It's hard. It's difficult. It's challenging. We haven't run to Jesus quite yet. But now it's time. Now it's Wednesday. Now we can look uh, ahead a little bit to the Wednesday learning here in, in Leviticus 4, right? Because of uh, the sin offering will point to Jesus Christ, and that is, that is what we can do now. So we understand, we remember from our little um, chart here that God did not intend the sacrifice for God's food or, or anything. I think a lot of it was object lesson for the people. Uh, an expression of, of obedience, which is always good, and, uh, you know, a great learning experience. So um, this was in response 
But the problem is, just like that person who had to, you know, slay that goat, to, to kill that lamb so many years ago, um, it didn't really change anything, right? I mean, uh, we had um, uh, Ryan, I appreciate that, reading from, from Hebrews today. Remember he said, the blood of bulls and goats, you know, could never atone for sin, quite like Jesus anyway, because it never changed the conscience of the believer. So we need, we need far more than that. God is still working on this big problem. Here in Leviticus, I don't understand all this stuff. As I tell people when they, when they ask me, you know, they got big, big, big questions about God, I tell them, I'm not in the administration, I'm just in sales. But, um, you know, God, how did, how did he accept for, you know, thousands of years, you know, the, the blood of bulls and goats when obviously it didn't really do the job? I, you know, I think God continually through history looked toward Christ, even for some guy named Solomon back at this time, some woman named Hananiah, whomever, right? God still, even in this time, looked forward to Christ because that would have been, that is the only, the only way in the truth and the life. And so uh, God needed to, to provide for us a way that not only covers over sin, atone, right? Not only provides forgiveness for us, but then also provides a transforming energy for us by the Spirit. And so through, you know, that is how we've got Jesus Christ. And it's not like, um, you know, it, it's sort of an if thing, right? I mean, we know. Even if you look back, I know I didn't read it as part of the passage, but even in uh, Leviticus 4, if you go to uh, verse 2, it says, say to the Israelites, when, right? When anyone sins. So we know everybody needs this. And again, this is great and small. The anointed priests in verse 3, the whole community in verse 13, the leaders in, in verse 22, and, and anyone else starting in 27. Now, the interesting thing, I, I did kind of point out that those are written in blocks to each of those different communities or parts of our community. And there are actually nuances in some of them. For example, the whole, for the anointed priest and the whole community, after you would have, you know, first of all, you'd have different animals, uh, a, a bowl was needed because it, it, we pointed out those are really expensive for the, for the high priest. Um, when you took that blood, one of the first things you did was you spilled out a little bit in front of the curtain, okay? Then you put some on the horns of the altar, then you poured it out, so forth and so on. And then it talks about how the rest of stuff was taken outside the camp and burned. Why do you suppose for leaders of the people, uh, the anointed priest, even the whole, why do you imagine they had to sanctify in front of the curtain? Well, if you think about it, these are people with stations that can really hinder people's access to God. Folks, if you are in a leadership position, James put it well. He says, you know, be slow to be all excited and enthusiastic about putting yourself forward as some great leader, some great uh, authority on things, because you're going to have a higher judgment. And um, again, in Christ, right, it's taken care of, but yet that is still that responsibility. Again, Leviticus 4 has so much to teach us. Um, so, yeah, we, we go through these, these different things. But one thing that, that is common to each of these blocks is that the, the sacrifice needed to be perfect. If we look in verse 3, again, a bull that was perfect. We mentioned in, uh, in what we read today, uh, in verse 28, a female goat without defect. 
a lamb, without etc., etc. Well, these things, of course, needed to be acceptable in God's sight, but there's a very real way to which Jesus had to conform to this. Now, that might be a, a strange way for you to hear me say that. Well, didn't these things sort of look ahead as a picture to Jesus? And in some ways, yes, but in many ways, Jesus had to conform to these things too. And, and we read, and I'm going to be drawing now quite a bit on the book of Hebrews, because if you're familiar with the book of Hebrews as well, it talks a lot about the temple worship and, um, and how Jesus was the fulfillment of these many wonderful things. And so, uh, on chapter 4 and verse 13, 14, I'm sorry, it says this, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, right, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, and yet was without sin. Jesus was perfect. He was tempted in every way we are, yet he was without sin. That is a wonderful thing. Um, I don't know what, it, what it's like for you to, to try, as, as, you, as you struggle, I hope, I believe, uh, with resisting sin. Um, it's not easy. It's not easy. Um, I know in my own life, there are certain things that I've found to be helpful, perhaps you'd find helpful. Um, trying to make sure you use your creative energy as often as you can, as, as usefully as you can. Um, for me, I like to cook. For me, I like to play bass, actually, or, or instrumentation. Um, because in using some of that energy, uh, then you won't have it to sin with. Okay? Be intentional about that. You won't have to sin with. Um, also, uh, fasting. Fasting is, is useful. Uh, when you fast, you will not recognize how strong temptation can be until you begin fasting, which is a challenge. But on the other hand, you'll, you'll get an amazing amount of power through it and clarity of mind. So, so those two things. We can never be perfect as, as Jesus was. We're to be holy as God is holy. Uh, these are just some tools we have. First, we, we, you know, we appeal to Jesus Christ for forgiveness and access. But we do have tools that, that have been used for all of the church age uh, to help us as believers to, to grow in our grace in Jesus Christ. Of course, uh, we have a perfect sacrifice, but it does require blood. In verse 29, we read that uh, the penitent is to lay his hand on the head of the sin offering and slaughter it in the place of burnt offering. And uh, then, of course, the priest will take some of the blood with his finger and put it on the horns of the altar of the burnt offering, pour out the rest of it in the base of the altar. Okay? So the blood is important. We know from other parts of uh, Moses' writings that life is in the blood. So uh, once we have sinned, um, it requires blood. Of course, back in the day, that, what they did was, as we just well read, they slaughtered some sort of an animal. And, um, you know, again, even in this, again, remember our, our, our gracious and loving God, of course, sent Jesus. But back in the day, uh, you know, family of eight... Average family of eight, right, um, could hardly afford a bull. And a uh, lamb might have been a stretch. But you know what you could do if you were a couple from Nazareth, I don't know, Joseph and Mary, if you want to call them? You could bring turtle doves. You could bring pigeons. Uh, and by the way, when you look in the New Testament, read closely, you'll find out that's what they had to do. Joseph and Mary, they were so poor, they had to offer pigeons. And if you couldn't, you know, 
find, you couldn't do pigeons, you could bring a handful of flour. Um, it's going to sacrifice. It's going to cost you no matter what. But, uh, but God has made a way and, and understands each of us have different capacities. Each of us have different abilities. So um, blood, blood is required. And the reason uh, that we can walk in fullness before God is because Christ did not enter a man-made sanctuary. There's only a copy of the true one. He entered heaven itself, now to appear for us in God's presence. Nor did he enter heaven to offer himself again and again, the way the high priest enters the most holy place every year, with blood that is not his own. Then Christ would have had to suffer many times since the creation of the world. But now he has appeared once for all at the end of ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. Maybe it's worth saying, maybe it's not. That's one of the reasons why um, Protestants don't have crucifixes, because crucifixes still show Jesus is being crucified. We have an empty cross. Um, verse 27, just as man is destined to die once and after that to face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many people. And he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. A perfect sacrifice. Jesus Christ shed his blood so that we might have forgiveness of sins and as much that we might have access, full access to God. And what would we do when we appear before God? We commonly know how often it is that, that uh, we have uh, shame. We have guilt. We have these different things. Jesus carries those as well. If we go back to Leviticus 4, and in verse 12, it's not mentioned in our passage today, the, the little bit that I read, but I'm sure um, it would have to continue to, to follow the same pattern because it had to do something with the carcass. But in verse 12, it says, you know, the hide, in verse 11, the hide of the bull and its flesh, as well as the head and the legs, the inner parts and the offal, that is the rest of the bull, must take outside the camp to a place ceremonial clean where the ashes are thrown and burn in a wood fire in the ash heap. Um, you know, from your reading of the Old Testament, sometimes even in the New Testament, there was a, um, uh, a valley nearby to Jerusalem. That's what they did. They, they would burn that stuff and they would throw that into that valley. Um, I want to call it Gehenna, but I'm getting, I'm, yeah, the Valley of Gehenna. Um, the Valley of Burning, the Valley, this is refuse, this is garbage. It's a, it's a large, in some sac sacred garbage dump, right? And I mentioned that Jesus uh, carries our shame, carries our disgrace. In Hebrews 13, it says this, the, the high priest carries the blood of animals into the most holy place as a sin offering, but the bodies are burned outside the camp. And so Jesus also suffered outside the city gate to make the people holy through his blood. Let us then go to him outside the camp, bearing the disgrace he bore. For here we do not have an enduring city, but we are looking for the city that is to come. I think that speaks to a number of things for us. One, when you're feeling guilt, when you're feeling shame, know that Christ, that, that's where you're gonna find Christ. Because you're, you're out the, outside the city. You're not in your tribe. You, you don't have a tribe. You're, you're all isolated and alone. Jesus is there. You will meet Christ in that place. And I think there's also uh, an implicit invitation for us. Look for people who are outside the city. Look for people in our families. Look for people in our neighborhoods. Look for people at the workplace that are... Um, 
Well, it seems like they're living on uh, and the, the, least, the least attractive bits of life, having the hardest time. They might be alcoholic, but if not, they're probably on the way. Uh, they might be um, finding other ways to deaden themselves to the pain in their life. Jesus is there. Don't be afraid, you know? Show up to them, because Jesus is kind of there waiting for us to show up with them. So don't think, well, what if they reject me? What if this? Don't worry about that. Christ is there. Christ will be there with you. So I hope Mrs. Dysars would, would have been happy with me today, because we did both Monday learning and, and we did Wednesday learning on, on Leviticus chapter 4. We looked kind of the, the long way through what God might have been teaching as we understood it, and then we looked ahead to see how Christ fulfilled those, those very many things. Our loving and gracious God created us in his image. And because that, we cannot go around slandering. We cannot go around gossiping. You're saying this about someone who's created in the image of God. We need to stop that. I do, you do, we do, right? And, and, and let's be honest with ourselves and stop dismissing our sin. It's serious. But let us bring those things before God because we have a fullness in Christ in order to, um, to, to be transformed. There's a transforming power that goes with these things. Again, unlike the, the sacrifices that needed to be repeated year after year, we had Jesus who went into the most holy place. Right? Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain, that is, his body, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, folks, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another to love and good deeds. Amen? Let's pray. God, we thank you for your, uh, your grace to us today. You reached out to us, and so we can respond with strength, with power, with confidence. We can be forgiven in Christ, and we can share in that, that wonderful opportunity to bring that forgiveness, that, that pathway to others. Thank you for the spirit that you invested in us, that we are not orphans, but instead that, that we are daughters and sons of the living God. Thank you for your, your, uh, your grace to us, which we saw portrayed in the scripture. And we appreciate your, your loving kindness. Amen.